Welcome to the Pardon My Art Podcast with me, your host, Oscar Castro. This show is all about the artist. Our podcast features creatives doing amazing things in the art world and across a wide range of artistic mediums to help inspire other artists to reach their full creative potential. Today's guest is Bernard Collins. Bernard is a proud South Philadelphia native who now resides in my hometown of Lawnside, New Jersey, a historic place in South Jersey connected to the Underground Railroad that became the only antebellum black community in New Jersey founded and incorporated by black folk prior to desegregation in the United States. And it is important to note this as Lawnside was once well known for the kind of culture that Bernard honors through his creative energy. Bernard is a visual artist, a poet, lyricist, a muralist, and educator who has shared his art across New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and the world. A figurative artist, I am always drawn in by Bernard's portrait work, which to me is beyond amazing as his use of color and his command of composition are masterful. Bernard has this to say about his fine art. My paintings are a reflection of my desire to understand the human body and soul. As an African-American artist, I have had to balance my educational background, which has been firmly grounded in European traditional techniques such as glazing, underpainting, etc., and my desire to capture the liveliness and innovativeness that is present in African-American culture. Bernard and I have been friends and contemporaries for close to 30 years now, and I consider him one of the greatest creatives of our generation. Let's jump into the conversation. So welcome to the Pardon My Art podcast, uh, Brother Bernard. It's good to see you. Good, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Yes. Well, well, thank you for making the time to have this conversation. Uh, I, you know, we've known each other for what close to thirty years, I think. Now, my oh, close to thirty years. Yeah, my my oldest is twenty five. So we, it's it's been a few years before that, I'm sure. So, and it's and it's always been a pleasure, man. Uh, I gotta say this, and and I say it from the heart, man. Uh, your spirit of uh, your spirit as a as a poet, as an as a visual artist, and just as a person, has always been encouraging to me. You know, I can't say that enough, man. It's like wow. It's like in the good people, you learn to treasure um, because you realize how um, temporary your mm-hmm. time is, and it's the food from which you create good art is those interactions mm-hmm. that you have. You know, at least for me, it's like, wow, man, it makes it motivates me to do good stuff and to create good stuff. Well, that's that's so. the main reason why I, I created this podcast, to be able to have conversations with people like you. You know, you you are an inspiring force for me as well. I know you inspire many others, and you've been in the world of education as well as uh, creating your own art, right? So I know that there's a lot of stuff that people can learn from just hearing you talk about what you do. So let let me start by asking you a fundamental question, which is I, you know, what is, what do you do? What what, what is your art form? I know, but I want you to tell the, uh, tell the audience. Well, I mean, my education, I have my master's degree in painting. And um, so um, I teach, I wind up teaching a lot of watercolor uh, portrait, watercolor drawing, uh, watercolor painting um, and drawing classes. Uh, I've been at um, oh man, Fleischer Art Memorial since like um, two thousand and six. So that's kind of a long time. I've also been worked as a muralist. Um, worked as a muralist. I just um, completed a private mur- mural for a good friend of ours, 
who um, it's really interesting um, because uh, the mural itself came together in like one day, <laughs> one day. Um, but I was explaining to a friend of mine, that it's the culmination of all those ex years of experience as a painter that allows you to work in that way. So, so I share my information. I share um, my, the information I know about visual arts and um, poetry. I do spoken word. I've been involved with spoken word, um, uh, I would say, officially since about 1988. Because 1988, I had my little, uh, you know, I started off as a rapper, MC, right? Um, and it's around that time. It was a, a small private gathering with some uh, Philly poets um, from the the the, uh, the seeds of what would be the 1990s poetry mm -hmm. scene in Philly, and uh, one person that was there was uh, Tariq Trotter, aka Black Thought, and it was the first time I was doing stuff straight off the book, and I was doing a poem called, poem called the, the I think it was called the, the Devil in the Dozens or something like that. It was a funny poem, and. Um, and he was like, man, you should just go up there and do that. And the rest is history. <laughs> I started going and playing doing poetry. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, and I think that's how we first met, was uh, yeah. hanging out at the October Gallery and then being a part of that 90s poetry crowd crew that was right, spawned right. there. I mean, people like Rich Medina, super famous DJ now, mm -hmm. model, Jill Scott, you know, so many others, you know, a lot of musicians too that, that came in there. I think that was the the selling point for me was that there there were different types of poetry opportunities to you know get your poetry on and, and do speaking uh, kind of stuff. But very few of them, if any, uh, beyond what was happening at the, at the October Gallery actually had musicians that were backing up the poets and that that was to me that was so much fun and to see folks like you get up there and be lyrical behind you know a bassist and a drummer and, and you know our, our friend Yaffer Jafar Barron you know doing his horn thing Tim Motzer might have been sitting in with his guitar or Timmy Tanzania just like so many so many amazing people flew through there people that have gone on and do international things and um Philadelphia it was interesting because um I wound up hosting at a place called South Street Blues, uh, um, and uh, I, I did that with another fellow poet, Stephanie Rene, Stephanie Renee, who's also a vocalist, and um, and it was very interesting because a lot of the Philadelphia music scene that worked with us as poets and comedians and stuff that used to also come through because it was like this overlay between we were all looking for an opportunity. So on the one hand, you had like. You had like singers that were trying to look look just for an excuse. I need an excuse to go off, right? So you like the roots, you know, and stuff like the Black Lily. But then you would also have like comedians, like um, like uh, Kevin Hart. You would see them, and they would somehow wind up interacting acting with you, um, because we were all looking for an opportunity to just be heard and be seen. In some ways, I wish we would have claimed it a little harder, you know. Like for history, for history's sake, you know, um, you know, um, but I mean, it is what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question. You know, since you are to me like one of the most talented painters and uh, um, draft people I know, and you do poetry and you do music, do you have a favorite medium that you prefer over any others, or one that you feel like this is where I'm I'm great at, and these other things are. 
I'm good at, uh, and I love doing them, but this is the thing that I want to be known as for, for right. time immemorial, or maybe all of them. Maybe, maybe you want to be like Paul Robeson and be great at everything. Well, I mean, you know what? Um, that's an interesting question that you asked because for me, it's the quantifying which one is my favorite is like picking a favorite child. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like sometimes the energy inside, it moves, like I, I get inspired to paint. Sometimes I'm inspired to write poetry. Sometimes I'll start a painting and then I realize that I need to sort of work it out with words, you know? So um, for me, it's just being, you know, being creative in general, but the discipline I have in painting is different in that um, I went to school for it. I got the master's degree. I got the bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree in painting 1998 and my master's degree in 2003. And that affords you a different kind of uh, knowledge, right? Uh, not necessarily better, but different. Like um, I was talking to Ozzy Jones, who's a um, director, um, out of Philly and a, and, and a very good musician and, and, and so many other things. And he was talking, we were talking about school, the whole um, concept of education. Cause at this point, the conversation seems to be wrapped around the financial this and that of it. Like, you know, financially it costs this and that, but there is something about coming together for the purpose of learning specific information. It's something about that that is special. It puts you in a, um, you become part of a, um, uh, like almost like a fraternity of knowledge. You know, like people who would go to, like people who go to seminary, they share, they share, they have a shared experience or people in the military for people who are um, veterans, you know, or people who work in, um, who are, uh, say, conscientious objectors who work in the Peace Corps, you know, you share this experience and that experience is special. The only problem in the United States is we've, um, we've found a way to charge people to the, uh, you know, incredibly for it, but it's so worth it to have because there are things I couldn't learn on my own as a painter. Like the techniques I've learned, that I had to get it from a source that was would protect the information or now in that same information is when I'm teaching, I give it to people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I give it to people. You want to learn how to paint? You want to learn how to draw? Cause there's a, there's another factor that comes with it is um, the dedication and practice that comes with, with, with what you do with the information. You know what I mean? So once you crack that code, then you'll be able to do anything. So, so I love painting. Um, I have a different kind of knowledge of painting. Poetry, uh, poetry um, was always my. Um, I would consider that secondary. So now I've answered the question. Poetry, I would consider that secondary only because I intentionally wanted to learn through it experientially, and I wasn't interested in learning, like sitting down in a whole bunch of uh, classes to figure out how to do it. I wanted to pull that from my soul. Just like Ella Fitzgerald um, was the master at scatting, 
because she just she scared it, <laughs> you know. So she invented her own way. So so influences wise, like I I like to ask people who are who are naturally gifted. Uh, do where else do you derive? your sort of inspiration from if not yourself right so i'm thinking you know as as a person who considers myself an artist in a variety of forms um you know if i'm thinking about poetry i'm thinking about people like nick giovanni i'm thinking about sonia sanchez that that have inspired me to be a better poet uh um you know graphic art uh, uh painting you know i have i have my list of people who i would ideally like to be like or or, or who have taught me along the way? Do, who are your like most favorite inspirers in your in your world? My inspiration. Oh wow! Um, years ago, when I was in South Philly, I grew up in South Philly, born and raised, mm. and proud to be a South Philly dude. Um, and that's interesting now that I'm in Lawrenceside, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> It's still um, South Philly, though. It's it's South of Philly, so yeah, it's South Philly out here. Philly. Um, there's a brother um, who created a comic book called Brother Man Comics, mm-hmm. and when he created this comic, before he created the comics, he had an, another name that he went by, which was Dave Sims, and he did this mural in South Philly on Twentieth and Tasker, right? And it was huge, and he did it with a graffiti writer named Lover, right? And Lover's name was uh, Bobby Sabs. And I give that name because, you know, Lover since passed. And the thing I always admired about those two brothers was I always admired the way they, um, um, Dawood Adewiye is his name now. And because um, um, he changed his name and moved to Texas. Um, but um, I always admired his characters, the way he drew them. And I always admired the originality that Bobby Sabs had when he did his name. When he drew his name, he always he did it different than any of the other graffiti writers, in my opinion. So, and I said, "Wow, it's something about being different." So, I think that sort of sparked the artistic thing. So, flat, fast forward, he had a, a, a um, an airbrush store, um, store in the gallery, and I was like, "Wow, let me go check that out." And I always wanted to know how I could be down. How can how I could be down, right? And in the meantime, I was doing my little characters and drawing my little like you know doing my thing and i went from you know i had my parents had home i had home training so they weren't gonna let me go out and get arrested like some people i knew over and over and over again for for graffiti so um and i so i said you know what i'm focused on the characters and focus on drawing in the books so that's how i started so i would do the drawings in the books and a matter of fact somebody from my high school uh, who went to high school with me uh, on ninth, he, uh, he lived down down on Ninth Street, and he had one of my old books when I was a kid. And I realized something: teenagers are very horny. They draw craziest, inappropriate things. And when I was a kid, I drew. I said, "Oh my God!" I was obsessed with certain things, but it was just me being a teenager. But it still showed that I just loved to draw. All right, so so Dave had his thing, and then I found out he went to Tyler at one point, and he didn't finish. So then I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Tyler, <laughs> right? And I got into Tyler. And then I worked and worked. And then um, and then um, he had dropped. He, he wound up not finishing because he went on and did his own thing with Brother Man and all that. Um, but I kept going. 
<laughs> I caught the bug. And then from there, I went on and, got, and went and got my master's degree. So, they, so he was one influence. And then through that, I met other artists, learned about other artists, um, local artists like Richard Watson, James Dupree, um, and started learning about historical artists like like um like like Jacob Lawrence and 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 some of the other artists that were here. Even um, John Michelle um, Basquiat, um, although his work is so different than what I do, uh, that spirit, that sort of like out of graffiti into the into um, fine art kind of spirit sort of like stuck with me you know what i mean and now I myself, even at this point in the game uh which you know i know how to paint i know how to draw you know that's another big thing initially the the, the drive was i wanted to learn how to draw things that look like other things like if i, I wanted to i've seen the portrait i did of the great oscar castro right right <laughs> you know Right. Listen, and I wanted to learn how to do that. I wanted to learn how to draw things that looked like I wanted them to look. And it was about having that control. And, um, you know, and uh, even though Basquiat's way is like a little different, I still find inspiration with that. And I, and I find this, it all meshes together to, 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 to become me. So I'm very inspired. Then I also am inspired by um popular media you know like um and that that comes out a lot in the poetry like um like for me i i always said well you know what i'm gonna create a poem that i think needs to be created so i'll create a poem about aliens coming to earth and doing things or i'll create um um uh poetry about um you know a love poem that that about someone who's obsessed or you know what i mean so I think Hollywood sort of got stuck into my brain somewhere, and it pours out into um, the work that I've uh, that I've created, um, and that sort of desire has like spawned some poetry that's somewhat off the main. Like I've never heard anybody else with a werewolf poem. I literally said, you know, what? I'm gonna create a poem about becoming a werewolf, and then I just did, <laughs> you know. Um, but then on the other, then on the flip side of things, um, on the on the other side of things, I'll go meet like um, I had the pleasure and honor of meeting the last poets on several occasions. I met Abi Odun and um, shared poem, poems with him in Harlem um, and online because you know he still does the online thing. And um, mm-hmm. and and whenever you're around a brother like that, or Sonia Sanchez. Or uh, you go hear Gil Scott Heron, people who performed in Philly, who we got an opportunity to see um, with Gil, Gil Scott Heron before he passed. Um, mm-hmm. Or um, it's a desire. You say, man, I, I need to look at the world around me and I, I need to do some work that's responsive to what's around me. You know, oh, they, they eliminate Roe versus, versus Wade. Well, you know what? I could do a poem about that because that's on, that's on my mind and this might be a chance to use poetry as a, a, a conscious conversation. You know what I mean? You know, what society should do or shouldn't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have, Does, I'll admit, because I'm not going to be at all, I will say this and be honest, mm-hmm. that um, Dolomite, Rudy Ray Moore, was one of the 
was also uh, one of an insp- one inspiration I had because um, and when did you see that the um, the um, Eddie Murphy's take on Dolomite? I, I did. That was so fascinating. It was fascinating. It was like this is a guy. So despite the content of what he was doing, that individual spirit of like determination was amazing to me. The, it, uh, it was also this, the movie was written uh, uh, penned by um, one of the um, architects of Ed Wood. Wood, mm. um, the black and white yeah. movie with uh, Johnny Depp. Um, and it's a similar kind of desire that I could see why they chose him as the uh, scriptwriter for that particular piece. Because it's that that individual, that idea of I'm going to do this no matter what. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. So how do you motivate yourself? Aside from like having these influences, uh, you know, I, like I watched that movie and I, I think I took the same thing away from it. Aside from all the other things that I learned about uh, Rudy Ray Moore, the, the thing I can remember that stuck with me was his uh, determination and his his desire to go and do the thing that people were telling him it couldn't be done, right? And so yeah. he was a self-motivator in a lot of ways. How do you find your self-motivation? And and especially as somebody who does different kinds of art, like how, are, how do you keep yourself organized and motivated towards finishing starting a project that might come into your consciousness and then of course getting it through completion. What's your process? Um, well, first it's, 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 it's interesting with poetry, you know, is a little bit different because that's something where, um, where I take it on, um, based on inspiration, but I also go based on projects that come up in front of me. Like, like, um, I had a chance to uh, work with Homer Jackson in the Philadelphia jazz project. Um, and, uh, I worked with this in, in doing so, I wound up working with the Sunrise Orchestra because they had the Sunrise Mixtape Project. So being involved with pro- like finding projects like that to work with, that would push you a little bit further than you were before have been really inspiring me and inspiring for me in that aspect. Um, also like finding a way to sort of do it, to live, if that makes any sense, doing it like. You know, um, like, you know, like I do portraits initially, like some people would not be into like doing portraits. They would just want to do their own work. Of course, I create my own work, but I also subsidize, subsidize that work by doing like a commission work for, for people. Like uh, I do a wedding portrait. I have a wedding portrait in front of me here. And um, I have another portrait that I've just been commissioned to do. And those commissions have been great because I always think about it as the painting I'm creating or the artwork I'm creating is building me up for the artwork that I want to create. So each painting becomes a stair step. Each creation becomes a stair step that moves me one step further, closer to what the, the artist I want to become to the artwork I want to generate. So, um, 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 last week I was in Silver Springs, Maryland, working on a um, mural and I was able to get the mural done fairly quickly. It came together in like within that 24 hour period, one day, really. And, um, you know, and it was very interesting because while I'm working and I'm doing this for my, um, patron, right. Who I'm very thankful for. So I did it for my patron. So, so, you know, of course I'm getting that check and that check is helping out. Um, I'm also using that opportunity to push 
what I'm able to do a step further. So now I'm integrating a different kind of paint, I'm using spray paint a little bit more. Um, I'm looking at other, um, you know, other artwork that's sort of in, you know, I'm looking at street art. I'm looking at like abstract art and, and, um, and actually figuring out how all of that sort of is can, 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 can push my thing a little further. You know what I mean? And trying it. Of course, you can experiment to an extent. Like you don't want to go, um, some things are a little more rigid. Like when you work for, um, say, some projects, you have like a rigid uh, parameter, rigid parameter you have to stick with. Like say you're working for a mural, they want the mural that they sort of finally agree to. You know, you're working with a um, like a neighborhood project or something like that. But then you'll find other projects where you have a little more leeway. You know, you can be a little more creative with what you're doing. So, so, um, so that's a, one way that I use to sort of push me further. But at the same time, doing it like in in another thing that I've started to do. Hopefully, I'm not doing too wordy with this. Um, when I teach, I create a form of teaching. So when I create, like, say, like, say I'm doing a drawing class, like I'm teaching, I am teaching, I'm just completing a 10 week uh, drawing class um, tomorrow, actually. So what I'll do is in a course of, um, of, in a course of teaching the class, I'll create while I'm teaching. So I'll use this as an opportunity to say, um, take my book out, like my sketchbook. So, so since I'm teaching a class in a urban sketching, I'll create this sort of urban, you know, sketch. So, so I found that doing that forces me to continually generate um, new pieces of artwork, while at the same time um, I'm educating uh, people in the kind of artwork that I'm that I'm uh, making. So. I found that it was a very uh, useful tool. Nobody uh, told me to do that. I just figured out myself I'll do it. And a lot of times, that's not the way I've been taught. <laughs> um, usually, um, you know, by the time you're in the teacher capacity, everything you, you, um, you would show, you would talk about your work. Maybe once you'll bring it in or you'll show slides or something like this. But um, making that your viewpoint towards what art is a living thing, I've found has been very useful in helping me, you know, fuel myself with energy. Because sometimes, to be honest, you know, you got this, you got that, you got kids and, you know, you have children. It's like responsibilities and this and that. It's hard to find that time to just make some work, you know. You know what I mean, um, and it used to be more of an issue when I would keep it separate. But by creating the work, that's really helped me out. Hopefully, that's yeah. That 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 was my next question. Like, I know you have a family. I know you're you're holding it down. You know, as an artist myself, I spend time making art. I don't always spend time making money making art, or I should say that my art doesn't always make me money. But I'm I'm trying to do. We're best at creating a body of work and and putting you know due diligence into when that when I when I make the time I use the time 
and uh, you know my kids are grown now and so you know I, I aside from my my spouse and the dogs and the cat like I'm not running around to soccer practice or play practice or anything else and yet I there I occasionally still find myself overwhelmed with where's the time to create art because I'm I'm one of those nine to fivers who has a, a day job that isn't necessarily uh, I mean, I, I use my creativity within my job, but it's not an art job, right? So I spend my art making time outside of my work hours. So how do you like what? How do you find your balance, especially given the fact that you are in an art employment sense? Like you, you, you teach art, you make art. How does that work for you? Well, I mean, it works out. Uh, it, it works out for me. I mean, um, I've found that. Um, in creating, like sometimes it's like like the when the motivation isn't there, because um, sometimes you'll find like like I found it like when the motivation will not like necessarily be there to create work. You're tired, right? Um, really making it your um, like obliging yourself to spend a set amount of time creating stuff, um, even if it's just. Or in your creative space, I think becomes important. Like, like sometimes I'll go and I'll just sit and I'll sit with the work in front of me and I'll say, like, you know what, I may be tired. I may be sort of, you know, I can't really, I just need to look at the work. Put the work in front of you. That was something I got from a John Dow who teaches uh, printmaking. He's a brilliant artist and he's a, he was a printmaker at Tyler. And I, I remember him saying, like, having work where you have to interact with it. And then um, also um, having that time that's like designated is, I think, is important. Having time where you sit and you look at the work, and this is dedicated. Even if I just, even if I don't lift a pencil up, this is my time to sit and contemplate the work. It was also suggested um, recently um, by another artist that. Um, because he was talking about, we were talking about a, a, a third separate artist, Richard Watson. Now we had the conversation, and he said, like one day he spends in the business of art, and one day, like studio stuff, he has a day where he spends in the business of art. Like you know what I mean? Like you know, just you know, I'm not going to paint him. I'm not going to paint. It was just it was funny because it just said like you have the time that you dedicate to creating art. But then you have another day you spend in the business of art. And and, and I have to get better with that, you know, um, because there's another side of this thing that um, some people engage in very well. And for the creative people, it's, it's very hard to do. And that is um, finding the resources that allow you to create the work. And that needs to be some time needs to be dedicated. More time needs to be dedicated to that. Um, but um, because, um, for instance, um, when I came out of high school, I had this perception that all you did was you create good work, and then people will find you. And those people will scholarships, and those scholarships will help you go to college. Much like football and basketball players, there are no recruiters for art. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, for art, but what there are are grants and opportunities and uh, arts organizations and stuff out there who who would love to hear your voice. But you have to 
connect with them. So that is the um, other part of it that um, I think at times we need to get engaged in. Because in doing so, you create the opportunities to show your work, create more work, network with more people, stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's something I think we all should uh, have. We should dedicate some time to the, just the connections, the business of art, plenty of art books um, and online opportunities. Like they'll have online things that tell you when they're having certain gatherings, several meetings, you know, several meetings, uh, like I know in South Jersey, they have the South Jersey Cultural Alliance and stuff like that. And they'll have meetings and stuff in Philadelphia, which is like a treasure trove of art opportunities. You can go and you can find out, you know, you say, oh, you know, I might want to do something with Talier or uh, Puerto Rican. I want to do something with the Asian arts, you know, collective. Uh, you might want to do something with, um, you know, um, the uh, the Fringe, the Fringe Festival, you know an artist poet so um but but in order to connect with those you sort of have to interact with that you got to sort of step out of your um you got to step out of your uh, what do you call it introverted natural introverted art inclinations and step into the the greater world hello world i create art this is why you should give it in <laughs> i mean that's why i used to love going to the october gallery because it was a both and right like we would get to hear poets, uh, sometimes new poets that never heard before, and and obviously the usual suspects who've grown into the community, mm-hmm. and hearing what they were bringing, you know, this week, right, and and getting inspired by that. But being around the art, and there were, I think, occasional times where the artists might have been in the room who had created certain pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, a lot of times it was art hanging, mm-hmm. and you saw a name, you know, you might have known the person or heard of the person, but th- there's another artist, and there's another artist who's got their art here on the wall. And just being around by creative people of all kinds is, as you know, with the pandemic being a thing that has challenged both in-person opportunities for networking, mm-hmm. uh, learning, um, and, and working collaboratively, I feel like we're we're heading out of that. And I'm wondering, you know, how you feel about the the, how the pandemic has impacted you and your ability to create art and, you know, be with other artists that might be inspiring you or might be inspired. Yeah. I mean, well, here's a very uh, peculiar thing about the pandemic in a, in a one sense, it um, created separation, but in another sense, it created, um, it broke the barriers of time and space and enabled us to interact with each other through the digital space. Like you and I, like, you know, you're in Philly right now and I'm in New Jersey, but we're still interacting. And before that seemed like, like a daunting, like a daunting task, like, you know, something, you know, that, uh, but we had to do it so much by necessity that now it's like, Oh, you know, I could do it. I was able to do poetry readings with um, people who were like um, poet lariats from um, San Diego, San Francisco, you know what I mean? And um, there were people from Alaska, you know, people from uh, from the from down south, from South Carolina, North Carolina, and they would create they they would create these digital spaces where we can interact um, to sort of um, be a supplement for what we couldn't do in physical interaction, you know. Um, some people I've met, and this is crazy, 
in my mind because I met people who have passed, like who I met in that digital space who passed. One uh, man, Sharmello, uh, um, he did. Uh, he was the one who did. Uh, he he did the production for uh, Busta Rhymes. Uh, if you really want to party to me, put your hands up in the sky. But he was also a spoken word poet, <laughs> you know, and um, and he we got on and we all and, and, and we had we were able to interact. Unfortunately, time took him away, you know, uh, you know, he was taken away. He got sick, I guess. Uh, it wasn't anything but um, uh, violent, but. But um, yeah, so 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 um, so yeah, and but um, as far as for it did impact uh, me as an artist because you know you had stuff, you had shows. I mean, I had work up and uh, in several places that wound up there for like months, and you know just hanging in this space, and people really couldn't see it, right? Because uh, I because I also exhibit work, um, and then also like you know interacting with people, those physical interactions lead to those financial transactions. So, so, you know, so that sort of affected that as well. But things are, um, things have uh, picked up in some respects, you know, um, even teaching like, um, and, and, and I do not fault, I, I did some online teaching. It's not quite the same and it's just, but it's totally different. Um, but, um, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it's any replacement for that physical interaction you have when you see the work in the classroom. Um, but, um, I did realize that, that digital teaching is a, is a, is a possibility. Um, so that opens the door for, for, for sharing information with a whole new group of people, young people who, you know, um, young people who are out of state, uh, people who are homeschooled, you know what I mean? People who have disabilities and can't go or people who are immune compromised, you know, um, like you might find out that you have COVID, but if it's a class where you could take a digital drawing class, you can do a digital drawing class, you know, because you're not in the physical space of someone else. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully we'll find a way to do more hybrid situations like that, where um, we can service people who need to be served despite time and space. Yeah. 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 You know. Well, as we wrap this up, I want to hear from you, like what kind of tidbits you might have to share, tidbits of wisdom, insights that you may have as a an artist who's who's been around the block a bit for aspiring artists. And, you know, I think particularly like we were just talking about earlier, the whole idea of just getting out there and doing it. Like what can you tell folks who are maybe sitting on the fence and trying to figure out what what's what's the next thing for them to do? What 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 advice do you have to offer folks? Express yourself. Um, well, I didn't write this down, but and I guess if we do this again, I'll write it down. But so I can make it real <laughs> crystal clear. But um, um, express yourself. You know, if you feel it, if it's inside of you, and you need it to come out, you know, express yourself. Write it, paint it, draw it, sculpt it, dance it, sing it, get it out of yourself. Um, um, and if you really feel connected with it, um, learn about it, learn about it, go to a neighborhood. They have, it doesn't have to be on a college level. I mean, I, at Fleischer, everybody is just doing it for the love. There's no grades or anything like that. 
Um, same with Perkins Center for the Arts in um, in uh, South Jersey. I'm working with Perkins Center for the Arts in Collinswood. So I teach drawing class like 10 to 1 on uh, Tuesdays and I mean on uh, Mondays and Thursdays. So I'm teaching one um, <laughs> this Thursday called, um, we're calling it a um, Funkadelic Figure Drawing class. Yeah, Funkadelic Figure Drawing. So that should be very interesting. Um, but yeah, so so that's the second thing. Like, so one, express it, express it. If you really you feel like there's no there's nothing stopping you, make that painting, make your painting, make the drawing, make write that poem, whatever, write that play, whatever you want to do. And then two, learn about what you're doing. So once you've tried it, figure out what you can learn to elevate what you're doing, right? Not for grade sake or not for to to for your own edification and growth learn about it and then mm -hmm. go see examples or hear examples of what you like what you want to do see it if you, you're good you want to write a play go see a play you want to write a play go read a play you know what i mean participate mm -hmm. in the play mm -hmm. right uh if you want to mm -hmm. like painting if you really like painting Go to the museum and see some paintings. It's free on Sundays. <laughs> you know? Right. Go, <laughs> right. Go see right. it. Go see it. You know? And um, you know, and then and and I guess the fourth thing would be um once you've decided that this is gonna, you know, be the thing that you're gonna do, re-up on the supplies that you'll need. You know? Hmm. If you're if you if you're a writer, you need to be able to write. Maybe you'll this is time to get that laptop. Maybe this you can get a used laptop, right? You can borrow one from right. places. Um, if you want to be a, a sculptor, you know you got you're gonna need some clay. If you're gonna be a um, painter, you're gonna need some paint. If you're gonna be an animator, you know what you're gonna need. <laughs> you're gonna need some. So you're gonna know how. You're gonna need the. You're gonna need the equipment to do the thing that you want to do. And then, um, right. And then, I think the most important thing to add on top of all of that, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Thank God for the inspiration. Thank God for the uh, for the motivation. Just in, dig into it and enjoy it. Do it. Um, laugh out loud if you can with it. Cry out loud if mm -hmm. you can cry. But just get into it and let that be your thing. And feel pride in the thing that you're going to do, and then and then the more you do it, the more it will take you to the places where you want to go, even if those places are not uh, not the Oscars, even if those Oscar, right? Even if even if those <laughs> even if those places are not like, even if those places are not um, necessarily um, you know in an art gallery. I met an 80 year old woman who learned how to paint from Bob Ross. And um, she mm. and she was so inspiring to me because her paintings were like very simple, but she loved what she was doing, man. I was like, that's what it's all about, <laughs> you know. And and I try and hold a little bit of that love for myself. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's great, great advice. Um, where can people see your work? Um, you can see my work. Um, I have some work. That's going to be shown at the it's um, the Arts Garage at uh, Stockton University. University, mm -hmm. and um, you know you can look at my work on Instagram 
you know, Nard Picks, N-A-R-D-P-I-C-S, um, and Instagram. I've been doing reels a lot lately, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You combine your music, you combine your favorite music with some of your um, with some of your visual arts. That's a good opportunity to see my stuff on uh, Nard Picks, and um, um, and check me out on Facebook. You know, I'm still on Facebook, um, so um, you can. I have to say that now. Or was it the metaverse? Or what right. you call it now? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> for as long as it lasts, right? <laughs> uh, whatever. You know, for as long as it lasts. But I, I post a lot of um visual art on uh online to those um places. So hopefully it tricks the algorithm. I say if it, if it's only art, what can you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. So I post a lot of I post a lot of art online so you can see that. And I show in Philadelphia, I show in um in um in uh out here in South Jersey, um when when the opportunities um come. And I usually put um put some information up about that. And I will be at Perkins Center for the Arts, right? Teaching um teaching uh mm-hmm. drawing classes and check me out at Fleischer Art Memorial at Eighth and Catherine in South Philly. Um I teach there pretty much weekly um for, for workshops and things like that. Well, thank you, brother. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, we go way back and I hope to to bring you on here again uh, in the future, uh, you know, as we continue to, to, to move forward. You know, my, my whole purpose for putting together this podcast was similar to what we've been talking about. Just get out there and do it. And I really want to be able to create a community of uh, art minded people, creative minded people who can learn from each other and can learn from listening to others. And uh, I, I do have a goal of, you know, in the future, maybe a year from now, be in a live event where we're doing some some real live trainings and learnings and networking with other artists so that we can continue to build the community and build this sort of momentum towards you can do it, you can do it and and have folks inspiring folks like you in the room to, to help uh, give that message. So thank you. Yeah, that's you got you got you want me you got me man you're definitely uh one of the coolest brothers that i know as i chill in your uh hometown of lawnside solid <laughs> and um and, and i appreciate you involving me in this um and uh look forward to seeing you face to face again let's break some bread soon let's break bread soon all right god bless you brother all right peace and love peace and love man thanks for listening to this episode of the Pardon My Art podcast. I hope that you learned something or were inspired by something that our guest had to say. Our goal is to build one of the largest networks of artists with the simple motto of each one, teach one. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Oscar and Oscar is spelled with a K. Well, that's all for now. Stay tuned for more interesting conversations with artists who are ready to share their amazing stories and inspire you to create your own. Be good to yourself and do great things.